RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to that podcast. It definitely helps us out a lot. And always check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I know I keep promising you this, but it's happening for real. We really are doing TikTok. It's it's in the works. Um, I have some people who are going to be uh, helping me manage that and take care of that. So that is coming. But here we are Monday after the Super Bowl and a big Bucks win. So congratulations to all the Bucks out there. And, uh, you know, kind of big for the city here having the Lightning win the Rays in the World Series, and the Bucks now uh, winning the Super Bowl. So as you can see, those of you following along on video, we have our nice Bucko Bruce flag here right in the middle of the table that we do the podcast on, and we got our nice uh, Chiefs and and Buccaneers Super Bowl ball here. So uh, thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk kind of all things Super Bowl and how it relates to the law. So kind of a couple interesting things here, and... You know, um, we all saw the weekend and his halftime show, which at times was interesting. Um, you know, if it follows along the lines of some other halftime shows, maybe we see a lawsuit, maybe we don't. So, hey, does the weekend get sued for that kind of uh, uh, experience with him in the in the back with that camera, just giving everybody a seizure who's watching there on TV who may not even get seizures. Um, that was definitely an interesting part, but could we see kind of a ridiculous lawsuit like that? And I think history somewhat tells us yes. I mean, look, do I think anybody should file a lawsuit against him on that? No, I, I say that tongue in cheek, really to get to the fact that there are sometimes ridiculous lawsuits and sometimes they relate to the Super Bowl. So here's where we are, okay? Um, we have, if you remember, Way back when the Super Bowl halftime show was, well, it still is a big thing, but it was, call it even a bigger thing. And I think the NFL was a little less concerned about who they put up on stage. And at least for a few years after that, they were very vanilla, very G-rated instead of maybe PG-rated, if you will. Um, But we look back to Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. So those of you who have been watching football in the Super Bowl long enough are probably well aware of the quote-unquote wardrobe malfunction that happened during that that Super Bowl uh, halftime show where Janet Jackson's up there singing, she's doing her thing, and Justin Timberlake, I think maybe they even had a song together at the time, which is why they were both uh, in there on that. But Timberlake comes by and she had... I don't know, maybe some type of bustier or something along those lines, and he just kind of rips down and exposes one of her breasts, and I guess there was something over, um, so it wasn't completely bare and out there, but it was out there, and caused a big stir, and, and we did see the the halftime shows change at least a few years after that. I think they've pretty much kind of followed that same course even as we got into the one yesterday, but there was a proposed class action lawsuit filed against both of them, uh, MTV and CBS. 
and uh, and as well as Viacom. So Viacom, apparently, at least at the time, owned CVS and MTV, or CBS, not CVS, not the pharmacy, but we're talking about CBS, the actual broadcaster here. And, and what happens is when you file these types of lawsuits, you sue everybody. So you sue the bottom line company and you move your way up to the top. So uh, CBS is not a single entity. They are an entity that is owned by a parent. That parent is Viacom. That's the, the long lawyerly explanation of that. But the allegation was this, that that the lawyer who filed it and others who watched the halftime show that year were injured, and I'm quoting here, were injured by the performer's lewd actions when Timberlake ripped off part of Janet's, or excuse me, part of Jackson's costume, exposing her breast. Okay. Um, they're saying that they were deeply damaged and hurt by the and that the exposure and sexually explicit uh, content or conduct by the performers uh, injured them. And that is a direct and proximate cause, you know, direct and proximate cause. That's something that we talk about a lot in the legal world that we don't necessarily talk about a lot, but it's in all of our complaints. It's, it's our standard allegation that this thing, this action caused these injuries. It's just a fancy way of saying that, okay? Uh, that as a direct and proximate cause of the broadcasting of those acts and that millions of people saw it, that there was outrage and anger and embarrassment and serious injury. Okay, look, here's the reality, right? Does anybody really believe that that caused serious injury to anybody? All right. Yeah, probably not the best move, right? But are we talking about something here that really has teeth as a lawsuit? No, not at all. I I don't see any particular way to really recover on it, to really prove that there was any injury as a result of it. And that's what you really have to be able to prove because just because something happens and just because you don't like what happens doesn't mean that there was something something wrong. doesn't mean that somebody did something... um, that's litigation worthy. Okay. So that's what that is. That's how that looks. And to really kind of drive the point home that there was really nothing there. The lawsuit was dropped about a week later. (laughs) All right. So really short lived lawsuit. And it probably went something like this, right? And and there's a vehicle for this in Florida. It's called a 57105 motion, but it goes like this. Somebody files a lawsuit that like this one, seemingly pretty frivolous. You send a letter to the person who filed it, generally an attorney, right? So we're generally two other attorneys and we don't, this is not something that happens often. Okay. Every once in a while it happens as an attorney, you have to know that this concept exists because you're responsible for what you file. And if you don't have the ability to back up what you filed, you can get hit with this. And what it is, is it's a 57105. It's a frivolous pleading or frivolous motion. Okay. And you send a letter to whoever filed it saying that you believe that this is frivolous and it's without merit. Here's why. And here's the motion that we're going to file at the expiration date of this letter. And it's all statutory. And the the two options are this, the person who receives the letter, the person who did the initial filing, they either drop the case or drop the motion, or there's a hearing on the motion for sanctions. All right. And if you lose, then and the case goes away or the motion goes away after losing, then that person can pay, have to pay the attorney fees that the that the other party would have would have had. So in this case, CBS, Viacom, Timberlake, Jackson, 
go have their attorney do that. And, and if they win, right, the individual, Carlin, is the one who filed this, this pleading, would have to pay their attorney fees. That's how that works, okay? So that's probably why we saw that go away. Carlin probably got a letter from somebody, you know, along those lines and decided it wasn't worth the fight. So there you go. There is lawsuit number one. Let's look at a, let's look at another one. Probably more ridiculous than than that one. Okay, and I can't actually find anything that showed this one actually became a lawsuit. It was one that this individual was actually looking to have somebody file a lawsuit for him. Uh, the individual is a Christian activist who has a podcast. So my best guess is this guy was out trying to get some free promo by really causing uh, causing an issue and something that really wasn't there for there to be an issue. Uh, but if you remember, this was last year's Super Bowl. So Super Bowl 54, there was Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. And yeah, look, we go back to what we talked about after the, the Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. They really vanillaed up the Super Bowl halftime show. And, you know, I, I don't think last year was any different than that. And this guy was very upset because in his words they were out there in skimpy outfits for about 15 minutes like i said his words and put him in danger of hellfire yeah that's uh that's his explanation that's his why for wanting to file a lawsuit and uh he says he turned uh, turned off the halftime show because he didn't want to let that spirit in my house apparently Maybe crotch shots in the video. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the halftime show. I mean, they're performers wearing uh, what looks like to be typical dance-type performance leotards, I, I suppose you call them. Nothing that was overly suggestive or anything else. But, you know, here we are. Anybody can file anything for any reason. And I can't find any evidence that any lawyer decided to pick this up. And probably for good reason. Not really a case there. Can't really imagine how you would have been injured in any way and, and entitled to damages in any way for people who were actually uh, fully clothed in what would be considered appropriate attire for a dancer. I mean, heck, uh, you watch the Olympics and the women swimming in the Olympics wear one-piece bathing suits and, you know, the men wear Speedos. I would say that <laughs> these uh, outfits worn by Lopez and Shakira were probably covered more. I don't know. I, you know, m maybe not for me to decide, but I can't see that as being a viable lawsuit. I don't, it doesn't appear that any other attorney felt that it was a viable piece for a lawsuit. So that's the halftime show part of it. So I, I want to take a look at one other one and you know, those, those two kind of little tongue in cheek, you know, the little jab at the weekend there in the beginning very much tongue-in-cheek, okay? Uh, I'm not actually inviting clients to call me up to sue the weekend for inciting uh, inciting um, seizures, okay? Um, I thought it was very, very dizzying to watch. Uh, <laughs> really was. Uh, I was talking to, to Jason here and who saw the setup, you know, firsthand being part of the, the radio team. And apparently it was a little different when you saw it in person than saw it on TV. Uh, apparently it was a 
pretty interesting setup. I had a tough time understanding what was where, and I've been to Raymond James Stadium a lot. So it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting halftime show. I uh, don't think I'm going to be suing for damages, though, for not understanding what where things were in that crazy gold room with the camera that was shaking all over. But here is one that actually has some teeth, and I, I really don't understand the NFL's standpoint and the offer that they made on this. So there was a streaming service that was sanctioned by the NFL that you paid for, and this had to do with people outside of the United States. And they could stream the Super Bowl, and I believe this was last year's Super Bowl. And you could stream the, stream the game live so you could watch what was going on, right? So you could watch it live because in this day and age of internet and social media and up to the second news, there is no way watching a, a recorded Super Bowl are you going to be watching something that you don't know who won. It's just not reality. Maybe in the 50s, maybe in Super Bowl one, you could do that. Um, I don't even know if they had the ability to record those games back then. I would imagine they were on TV probably in black and white and not just on the radio. But here we are, 2021. It's all instant, right? You have, hey, podcasts that come out instantaneously. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, my favorite TikTok, right? All of those things happening instantaneously, and you would know who won. Well, at towards the end of the game last year, the streaming service stopped, and it stopped working, right? Not that the streaming service meant to stop, but the, the there was technical issues, and it stopped them from being able to see the end of the game. Hey, here we go. Here's a Super Bowl lawsuit that actually has some teeth, that actually may make some sense, right? Because you actually could be somewhat damaged as a result of that. Now, what are your damages? Well, I, I believe this was a, a fairly costly costly piece, a, a couple hundred dollars, I think, to be able to stream and watch the Super Bowl, right? And, and that's your damage. So anytime we look at it from the law point of view, we want to know what your damages are. So could I really, in a, in a streaming service for the Super Bowl, make allegations that that you were damaged because well you know your heart hurts because you didn't watch the whole game live and you missed the end result no probably not right and i mean i can't really find a way that you could make that work i mean think about if your cable went out with the last two minutes of the game and uh you're gonna go call spectrum and tell them that your heart hurts they're gonna say yeah okay you go ahead you go ahead and go somewhere buddy um you know, are they even going to offer you your money back? No, because you're paying for a whole, a whole breadth of services, right? A whole bunch of TV channels. So, and sometimes those things are out of their control. But this one's a little different because these people paid for a specific thing. They paid specifically to be able to stream the Super Bowl. And the NFL responded with offering each of them $10 as a partial refund. Kind of a questionable response, NFL, right? I mean, look, here's the reality. You want to make something like this go away? Refund the people for the amount that they spent, right? Because that, that's really what you're entitled to, I would think, okay? Maybe you could do some sort of calculation to go, okay, well, you got to watch this amount and this was the amount that you paid, so therefore you watched 90% and you're entitled to 10%. Yeah, maybe, okay? Uh, I, think that's, I think that's weak. I really do because... It doesn't, the beginning of the game doesn't always necessarily matter as much as the end of the game, 
right? So how many times do we see that a team's up big in the beginning and ends up losing in the end? Uh, Atlanta Falcons, I'm talking to you. Um, you know, that's just how it works. So uh, seemingly the end of the game is more important. Therefore, more of the money should be attributed there. Uh, but anyway, it, it does have have some merit to it. Uh, supposedly these issues were supposed to be fixed for this year's Super Bowl, but that's a lawsuit that is something to keep an eye on, could hold some weight, and uh, you know, we'll have to see where that thing goes. Now, our last legal-related piece with the Super Bowl. Those of you who are watching on TV uh, probably didn't get to see the whole thing. If you check out social media and look at some of the local Tampa news articles, you'll probably be able to find more of the video of it, but uh, there was a streaker yesterday during the Super Bowl, and he was apparently paid by some failed YouTuber and went streaking on the field. Uh, streaking is probably an overstatement. Some kind of uh, Borat-style pink, uh, pink one-piece, god-awful thing, whatever it was. Okay, not not something that you want to wear to uh, Sunday dinner, that's for sure. And he goes running. I, I guess he made it about 100 yards or so from one end zone, maybe to about the 10-yard line. Uh, he was watching some of the video. He was about to get actually trucked by a Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office deputy who came running from the back of the end zone, and uh, he dove at the last second, kind of like a quarterback, um, which absolutely, I think, saved him from getting demolished. But anyway, the question came up, what does he get charged with? It seems like a very serious thing, right? You run onto a football field, professional football field, during a game right? And look, there's been instances over time that bad things have happened, okay? Or at least interesting things have happened. And, and um, think back to there was baseball game back, uh, and I, I honestly, I, I don't remember what year it was or who it was. Um, but I want to say maybe during the Vietnam era where somebody came out and tried to burn a flag on the field and you see, I think it was the center fielder come rushing up, grab the flag kind of all in one fell swoop. So, Fans on the field is not usually a positive thing, but turns out the charge is actually relatively minor, right? Look, I'm not saying go out and get charged, right? I'm not saying any criminal charge is a good charge, right? It's not. It's still bad. It's all bad, so let's not confuse things. But there's different levels, right? There's, you know, your, your very minor offenses. Um, trying to think of a good one that doesn't sound ridiculous. Um, something small right? Um, you don't have a driver's license, never had a driver's license and you drive a car and get caught. Okay. Second degree misdemeanor. It's the lowest on the spectrum of severity all the way up to you go kill somebody, right? Most severe. There's your spectrum. Well, turns out running on a professional football field in Florida is more towards that really low end of the spectrum. So it's actually just a first degree misdemeanor. Uh, the guy actually last night, He's been out of jail for a while. He posted a $500 bond and off he goes. And quite frankly, he'll probably just get probation, right? I don't know. Maybe because it was during the Super Bowl, maybe they enhance it a little bit, but not enhance it outside of what the statute says, because by statute, he could do, no, here's, here's a, here's an odd one. Go figure this one out. It's up to a year in jail. Okay. And some counties and district courts of appeal take a year in jail to mean 365 days, and some of them take it to mean 364 days. 
I don't know how it's ambiguous what a year in jail is. I know in Hillsborough County, where I do a lot of cases, it's 364 days. I had a case down in Martin County in Stewart, and it was 365 days. I'll tell you what, I don't know how there's confusion there, but it is. But that's the, that is what you're up against on a trespassing charge, which is what this individual has been charged with. So he could actually theoretically do, we're in Hillsborough County, that's where Tampa is, 364 days in jail. That's his max penalty. Highly likely he gets a slap on the wrist, maybe pays a fine, maybe some probation, if he even gets probation, uh, maybe some community service. But that's what that individual is looking at. So that is how we sit as we close out Super Bowl 55. And if you've followed some of the social media, we've done some stuff uh, on uh, on some of the football things and the Super Bowl. So, you know, just kind of wanted to close out Super Bowl time with that information. Uh, you know, we had a great time at the NFL Experience. So if you ever get an opportunity, I would absolutely check that out. And maybe as I hear whispers that there may be a new format for the Super Bowl in terms of where it's played, um, more to come on that. But Tampa may see some Super Bowls in a little bit more regular rotation. That would actually be really cool, being as how I live in Tampa. Um, If you don't live in Tampa or one of the select cities, uh, probably not so cool because that would mean the Super Bowl is not going to be coming to wherever you are. But anyway, that's where we are with it and uh, hopefully that all does come to fruition. So those of you watching a video saw I was kind of trying to flip through and we have a listener question for today. So non-Super Bowl related, but you know, let's kind of transition and ease back into the workday and and the law and everything else after kind of the pandemonium that has been really from, well, for probably the last two weeks, but man, Saturday night was crazy in Tampa. And uh, last night was crazy in Tampa, Sunday night. And hey, here we are on a work day. So I know Jason over here is struggling <laughs> as part as part of the media for the Bucks. Uh, you know, kind of a big thing for them. So I, I I feel for him, and and I do, you know, thank him greatly for making sure that we get the podcast in today. Uh, those of you who are listening, I, I hope you appreciate that as well. But here's a listener question for today. It is, how do I choose the right lawyer for my case? That's a good question, right? Um, Look, there's a lot of lawyers out there. You could walk out the front door of my office and throw a stone and not even throw a stone very well, and you could hit probably five or six attorneys' office. How do you know which one to choose? I suppose that depends on what type of case it is, right? And here's the interesting thing. We do personal injury cases. And within personal injury cases, so you could have medical malpractice, you could have workers comp, you could have dog bites, car crashes, slip and falls, right? All those different pieces. But we only do car crashes and slip and falls. That's it, right? But if you look at other attorneys out there, everybody does, and I say everybody, but I don't mean everybody in the literal sense, everybody. I mean everybody just in in kind of the colloquial sense of everybody. So all these people, bankruptcy and personal injury, criminal and personal injury, okay? Um, Big business law and personal injury. You see a little less in big business law. I think a lot of the big business lawyers uh, look down on us, small-time personal injury guys. I don't know. Um, Maybe that's that's just my own insecurities. I don't know. But anyway, right? 
there's a lot of people who say, I do something and personal injury. But let me break it down for you like this. When you go to the doctor, okay, when you go for your physical, you see a general doctor, right? It's a little bit of everything. Well, what if you had something wrong with your knee? What's he going to do? Or what is she going to do? Oh, yeah, you should probably go see a specialist, right? That's what they're going to tell you. Yeah, maybe you need an MRI. Maybe they need to figure out what's going on inside, but you need to go to an orthopedic doctor. Okay, great. Call up the orthopedic doctor, right? Because that's who you go see for your knee injury. Hey, orthopedic doctor, I need to go see a doctor. All right. And um, I got a, a good friend of mine works at Florida Orthopedic. It's big, big uh, orthopedic outfit here in the Tampa area. Uh, and I have several offices. But you call them up, you go, all right, I, I want to make an appointment. Eh, pick a doctor. I want Dr. Smith. Okay. Well, Dr. Smith only does backs. Let's pick another doctor, right? Uh, I want Dr. Jones. Well, Dr. Jones only does shoulders, right? Uh, shoulders, bad example, because shoulders and knees generally go together. Um, Dr. Jones, he only does hips, right? So you see, we have this big, broad category of orthopedic doctors, but they all specialize, right? And we expect that out of our doctors. We expect that specialization because how do you know everything about the body? Well, I'll challenge you on this. I think the body is actually smaller and less complicated than the law, okay? There's a finite number of body parts, a finite number of bones, muscles, ligaments, tendons. There's not exactly a finite aspect to the law because it's always evolving. It's always growing. There's always new appellate cases. Although we're in the middle of COVID still, I'm not really sure that the district court of appeals is doing a whole heck of a lot because we're not doing a whole heck of a lot on the trial level. Okay. But in normal times, when everything's open, it's always evolving. It's always growing. There's always new rulings coming out. There's always new jury verdicts coming out, right? And if you do a little bit of everything, how do you parse that down and understand and have a deep understanding of everything? Okay. So how should you choose your lawyer? I would start with finding a lawyer that truly specializes in the area of law that you have a problem in. So if it's business law, find somebody who only does business law. If it's a car crash, find somebody who only does personal injury. Okay. Because it, it's not that much of a stretch to do personal injury, med mal, workers comp. Okay. It's just not, it's, it's all very similar. Okay. There are some nuances, right. And there's some reasons why we don't do workers comp and med mal, but they're, they're very, very similar, right. They fall in the same bucket, but find somebody who specializes in the area of law you need. And then just find somebody who you feel is the best fit, right. The person who you trust the most, you want to trust this person. And if you have an inkling at all that you look at and go, I don't know if I can trust what that person is telling me, run, go find somebody else because all you can do is have trust in that, what that lawyer is telling you and what that lawyer is telling you is correct. You only have one case. Okay. Now if it's business law, you know, maybe not, maybe there's others, right? Try to stay out of, right. You, you don't want cases. So for the most part, you get one shot and one shot only. You don't want to second guess and go, God, did I hire the right person? I, I really not really sure if I trusted what that person was telling me. So find somebody who specializes in what your problem is and then go through, find somebody who you can trust and who you like. How's that? All right. Simple enough. If you ever need anything, 
Lawfather at TampaLawfather.com. That is the email address for this show. 855-LAWFATHER. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. If you have a question for the show, either of those two things work. Check us out on Instagram. And coming soon, check us out on TikTok. So once again, big thank you for Jason for uh, making it out after a long night of Bucks win. Go Bucks, right? How about that? Hadn't made the playoffs for how long? Super Bowl champs, thanks to... I'd say it's all thanks to Tom Brady, but I think there's a Brady effect, if you will, as we wrap up the show. Because if Brady doesn't come here, Gronk doesn't come here, Leonard Fournette doesn't come here, LaShawn McCoy doesn't come here. Um, I think Indomitka Sue signed, he re-signed, I believe, after Brady got here. Okay, So a lot of big pieces to the puzzle because Brady was here. So he can't do it all, although I think we all want him to. Right? Anyway, that is the show for today. As always, Lawfather Headquarters. Hope those of you on video are enjoying the new Lawfather little character. There we go. That is the show for today. Lawfather out. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>